Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to church today. Uh, welcome to our special uh, secret church service. Um, this time last year is the first time that we did uh, this simple church setup, and it was so um, impacting and so powerful that we decided to do it more often because of just the reaction and the the amount of acceptance that this type of setting has in our lives and we remember today they'll talk about this more today but we remember today the, the different types and different kinds of churches all over the world that might not necessarily have a big stage and all the lights and all of the things that um, we can sometimes take for granted here and we like to reflect on that by having these types of services to kind of draw things back in and help us to remember the things that um, that really matter our lives and our, our relationship with God so like every time we have this type of service I just invite you to find your place if it's up and walking around, if it's sitting, if you want to kneel, whatever you want to do to find your place. Find your place in your heart with God today. Find your place of thankfulness and gratefulness as we just honor God today for everything that he's done for us, for everything that he's given, for everything that we might take for granted each and every day. We just want to humble ourselves today to honor our God. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and we'll get started today. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. Like we said earlier, God, there is no amount of thanks, there is no amount of praise that could ever come out of our, every single one of our mouths, God, for eternity that would ever measure up to what you deserve. But here we are, God, we're humbled, and we have just come today to honor you and to give you all the praise that you deserve, and we love you and we thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us today. You should have gotten some words when you walked in. Go ahead and uh, worship with us a little today.
sing with us today.
can be seated. Good morning. We just want to welcome you to a Secret Church. Like Jen said, last year it was our uh, very first time to try it around Thanksgiving because we just thought it would be a really great way to be thankful for what we do have and the freedom that we have to be able to worship God together and at any point in our life, right, um, that we can call on God when, when it's a rough day or when we feel like we have no one with us, that we can call on him freely. And so that is why we do um, Secret Church every year around Thanksgiving. And then uh, you guys have probably been to Simple Church too. So it was just something that we felt like um, really took away from uh, entertainment, from us being on the stage and lights and um, us entertaining you, but something where we could really connect with God no matter what. Um, no matter if we didn't even have a microphone or a keyboard or a guitar hooked up to the system, that we could still connect with God because that's how great our God is. And it's about our relationship with Him and how we, how we go about that, that we can, we can have a relationship with Him at any moment, and corporately or individually. And so um, I just wanted to read this to you just to give you um, just an idea of sometimes how people across the world go to church. And um, lots of times it's not them driving their car here and coming in and grabbing bagels and coffee. Um, lots of times people will walk miles and miles to get to a place to worship with someone else that believes the same as them. And um, even when I was in Malawi, there were I worked at a college for three months just helping with the translation of the Bible because these people didn't have the Bible in their language yet. So they would share the pages that were translated. So that's why you receive like a little page of the Bible today. Just imagine if all you had was one page that you could understand and read. But that is what you were so hungry to learn. And so these men, um, fathers, you know, husbands, they would travel for a year and they would stay in Malawi at this college to learn more about God so they could go back to their tribe and so they could teach them about God. And so it's just like, what a sacrifice, you know? Can you imagine? I mean, sometimes John's gone for like 10 days at a time and I'm like, oh dear God, help me, you know? I'm going to... Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, I need help with these children. I don't want to hurt them. I love them. I really do. You know, but um, just thinking about a year of your loved one going, but because they believe so strongly in their God and they believe so strongly that their tribe needs to know, their village needs to know about their God, that they would be willing to do that. So I just want to read you this story just so you can get in that setting today. And just so we can reflect today, basically, that's all we want you to do is just be thankful that we have freedom to worship God in our country and together. So just close your eyes for me. And you may have heard this before, but this story never gets old for me. And I just want you to close your eyes and imagine it as I read it. Just imagine going to a worship gathering in one of those house churches, not an all-day training in the Word, just a normal three-hour worship service late in the evening. The Asian believer who's taken you gives you the instructions to put on dark pants and a jacket with a hood on it. We will put you in the back of your ca our car and drive you into the village. Please keep your hood on and your face down. When you arrive in the village under the cover of night, another Asian believer meets you at the door of the car. Follow me, he says. With your hood over your head, you crawl out of the car, keeping your face toward the ground. You begin to walk with your eyes fixed on the feet of a man in front of you as he leads you down a long and winding path with a small flashlight. 
You hear more and more footsteps around you as you progress down the trail. Then finally, you round the corner and walk into a small room. Despite its size, 60 believers have crammed into it. They're of all ages, from precious little girls to 70-year-old men. They're sitting either on the floor or on small stools, lying shoulder to shoulder, huddled together with their Bibles in their laps. The roof is low and one light bulb dangles from the middle of the ceiling as the sole source of illumination. No sound system, no band, no guitar, no entertainment, no cushion chairs, no heat or air condition. Nothing but the people of God and the Word of God. And strangely, that's enough. God's Word is enough for millions of believers who gather in house churches just like this one. His word is enough for millions of other believers who huddle in African jungles, South American rainforests, and Middle Eastern cities. But is God's word enough for us? So I just want you guys to think about that today as we're having this service, um, just to take us to a different place, to where we're not here to um, be like, give me, give me, feed me, feed me, but we're thankful. We're thankful for just the opportunity that God gives us every Sunday, every day when we need to call on Him. And so I just want us to have that mindset today during service and that we, we just we think about how thankful we are for this. So um, on that note, we're just going to take up offering. And thank you for being here. And um, it's a Thanksgiving offering, actually, and it's going towards urban outreach. So... Um, Urban Outreach, Jamie and Isaac, our friends are here. If you guys just wave, they hate this. Yeah. So we have partnered. Give them a hand. They're amazing. We've partnered with these guys for the last five years, and they are just an amazing couple. I mean, going and serving on the Thursday night dinner is one of my most favorite things to do. It always takes a lot to be able to get there. Um, <laughs> it always seems like there's a hurdle that I have to jump over. <laughs> and I think any of us who have gone feel that way. But once you get there, you just know you're supposed to be there. You know that um, what Jamie and Isaac are doing and what God's leading them to do is just serve the homeless. So every Thursday night, they feed the homeless. And those people have built relationships with them. Um, some of their lives have completely changed. Some still have addictions just like us, right? We still have struggles with the things that we go through. We go back to it sometimes, and then we're like, I'm good. And then we go back again. But they are just such a light to the Five Points community. And um, we are so privileged to just know them and be able to help in any way we can. So really what we want to be able to do is give to them for a Thanksgiving offering because they have some renovations that they're doing right now and some things that they're doing to try to um, be able to store jackets and things for the homeless um, that do know them. Them. And so it's just amazing. And they, they have a program for the kids now where the kids get to come and do, um, they get to come and eat dinner on every other Monday and do homework. And um, if you have not gone, I really encourage you to go and experience that every second Thursday or first and third Monday with the kids. Um, it is life changing. You will walk out of there being like, okay. I need, to, I need to put a different perspective in my mind right now, and I need to serve others because whatever I thought was going on that was so bad, it's not, you know? So it just makes you so grateful. And the people, the one thing, I'll stop talking in a minute, but the one thing is just that the people come in, that they serve, and they are so grateful. 
They are so grateful just that you are there to serve them and love on them and just smile at them and just say, here's your, here's your plate. They are so grateful for what Jamie and Isaac have, have created for them. And so please, if you can give today towards the, it's the last time for the Thanksgiving offering, please give to that. And um, I'm excited to see what happens in the future for them because it's amazing and we're just excited to be a part of it. So let's pray real quick. Dear Jesus, we just thank you, God, that even though, God, none of us are perfect, God, and, and we come here sometimes, and even me, God, sometimes I come here just trying to get things done, and I forget, God, that I need your presence. God, I need, I need more of you, God. So I pray that today during this service, you would change our mindset, God, and that we would just be willing to hear from you, God, whatever you want to say to us. And we pray for the offering, God, that you would just bless it, and every person in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. And if you'll just watch this quick video, that'd be awesome. Here in China, there is such darkness. But even in the midst of this darkness, we are experiencing God's victory. I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on a business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. But we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. They want to control what God is doing. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In the city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in. In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. If you ask people on the street, most have never heard of Christ or read the Bible. No one in their family is a believer. The dangers here are driven by darkness, and that darkness can be quite fearful, especially when I think of my family. But God never fears, and He will overcome. So I want to go and share, despite being at risk. 
I minister to the neighbors that live next door or upstairs. I visit them often. I listen and I share in their life. When I get the chance, I tell the story of Jesus Christ and we pray. And the Holy Spirit works. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened. We discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means I could go to prison. For who can have victory over God? Nobody, no matter what country. Just a part of our culture, that's not what we're known. But all over the world, some people are meeting in secret and, uh, and uh, and God is still moving. God is still moving. The same God that we worship here today is the same God that they worship there. And, uh, and many times we ask God in America, you know, to take things away from us. A lot of times our prayers are, God bless me in this area, keep me safe in this area, God help me in this area. And, uh, but a lot of their prayers, if you ever like read them, or, or, uh, because there's this prayer thing I was reading the other day, a lot of their prayers never ask for that. It continues to ask, God, give us strength for today. God, give us strength for tomorrow. God, give us strength through the persecution, through the hardship. And it's amazing uh, the difference of culture and the difference of thoughts of who God is. And, and maybe I mean, we can learn a lot from what's going on there so they can help us with us here today. But it's crazy to think about the greatest moves of God ever is actually happening in China, ever. Ever, ever in the history of all Christianity, the greatest movement is happening in China. And I think the, the reason is that they, they have uh, become something like the original church. The original church exploded on the scene, not under freedoms, but under persecution. Not under e how easy it was to go next door and just to talk about Jesus, but how hard it was when you gave up, when you were baptized into the Christian church in the New Testament, you could lose your whole family, you were kicked out, you were outcasted. And it's the same thing is going on in many parts of the world, but it's, it's blowing up in these areas that face the most hostile places. So what's the secret of the secret church? That's what I want to talk to you about today. I think about China, and I'll give you some history. The Chinese church, um, uh, back when uh, uh, Chairman Mao, I don't know if you, if you know history, Chairman Mao, who is, who is unknown in America for some reason, but he's, I don't know how many millions, I think he killed 60 million people. It makes the Holocaust look small, not even dim diminishing what the Holocaust was. 
So 60 million people this man murdered. And during his, uh, his murdering rampage, he took out all religion, all things. He wanted to control every bit of your life when the Communist uh, Party took over. So what they, first thing they did, they kicked out missionaries. So there was a few Christians left in China, and they kicked out the missionaries, they kicked out the Christian organizations, and there they were in communist China. And, and years later, decades later, when Mao was out of power because he died, and, and, uh, and, uh, and when the organizations were let back in and missionaries started to sneak back in, you would think that the Christian church would have died in China. But actually, it grew to 60 million people during the time of most persecution. And it's funny, now, guess where they're at? They're at 200 million. They're, it's estimated there's 200 million Christians in China. There's more Christians in China than in, there is in what we call the Christian country of the United States. I, I thought that was uh, pretty amazing. And there's still, many of them are meeting in homes, meeting in secret, and, and, and they're doing something that is radically different than we, what we know as church. They are, it's very different. The Chinese church, we've said, if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. I'm going to do it one more time. We celebrate the word of God. We believe that it changes our lives. We're going to the book of Acts chapter 2. All right. We believe it reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. And that's why we celebrate the word of God. And I want us to, as adults, to celebrate it so our children will celebrate it, knowing that it brings absolute life change. And it has for me and many of us in this room today. And we're in Acts chapter 2. This is the origin of the church of Jesus Christ. This is when Jesus uh, went into, uh, commissioned the people to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that he would be with them all always till the very end of the age. It is a mission that they had as the church, and it's a mission that we must carry out. Jesus didn't say, go and go to church and, and listen to the Korean guy talk about a Jewish guy. He did not say that. He said, go and make disciples. And he didn't tell you just how. He said, go and do it. And, it, and, it, and this was something hard for me. I was like, oh, how, how do you do it, Jesus? Like, People want to listen to me? Like, do they, do you want me? Like, how do you? And he's like, just go and do it. And as you're doing it, I'll empower you, right? Some, it's like on-the-job training. Most of us, we want, we want to know how to do things before we go. And God's the opposite. He gives you the fire before he gives you the information. And ever, we all know this. And so if, you want, if God wants to teach you something, he puts you through the fire. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. And then, and then if you fail at it, he puts you through the fire again. You're like, fantastic. And, and over and over again, until you learn the lesson, we are so used to getting the information, before, we're getting the lesson before the test, but God gives us the test before the lesson. And in the test, he wants us to reach out for him and say, God, what would you like me to do? Instead of I'm praying for God to take me out of this, God, give me the strength to get through this and to lead people in this. I think our, uh, our similarities, where we connect the most, is not in our victories, but in our defeats. It's not in our strengths, but in our weaknesses. We think it's our strength that people like how awesome you are. And, and, uh, and most people know. They're like, oh, you're not that awesome. <laughs> right? We try, to, we try to build like platforms of this awesome Christianity. But I'm telling you, we're not that awesome. You know, it's Jesus who is awesome. And we point the finger at God who changes lives. We give God credit for what he's doing. And I, I pray that that be, the, that be the DNA of what we're doing. And that's what was the DNA in the beginning of the church. 
And the first, I want, I want to deconstruct a lot of the ideas that we have of church and Christianity so I can reconstruct the things that God wants to build in the church of Jesus Christ. A biblical view of mission, power, and devotion. So we're going to read Acts 2, uh, beginning from 42. And I'm going to give you some uh, context. Peter just spoke a message, and 3,000 people were like, Peter spoke this message in the middle. So the Holy Spirit comes down. And the very person, Peter, the guy who runs away when Jesus uh, was being crucified, is the person that God uses. It's funny, right? You, we think that God uses the most powerful, the most, oh, oh, that he has this gifting. And we pick and choose who has gifting and who God can use and not use. But it's funny who God uses. He uses people like Peter. He doesn't use people that have it all together. Peter, the very person who rejected God to a little girl, two little kids, and, and then he cussed at another. That's how he rejected Jesus uh, when they were asking, aren't you the disciple? Then he would, whatever he would say, bleep, no, or whatever, you know? That's what he did. That's what happened in the Bible. I'm, I'm not dressing up for you. So, um, and, and, uh, uh, and so this guy is the guy that Jesus uses to fill with the Holy Spirit to start the church of Jesus Christ. I was like, that's amazing. If God can use Peter and people in the Bible, he can use everybody. We think the Bible is full of heroes. It's not full of heroes. There's one hero, and that is Christ. And God uses just we people, weak people, to fulfill what God is doing. And so you are not discounted. You are not counted out because of your history or what you think about yourself. God thinks very different of us. He uses the fishermen to start the movement called the Church of Jesus Christ. So we need to change our language about how we talk about ourselves first, because God sees something very different in us. So number one, church is not a place. It's not a place. A lot of times people say, I'm going to church. No, you are the church. We're meeting together. And sometimes I say church is a place, and I said, let's go to church. And, I, I, and so I, start, I wanted to change our, our vocabulary, because if we say the wrong things, people are going to understand that we're going to church, and not we are the church of Jesus Christ. So you are the church. Church is not a place. It's not a place to go. It's a place that you, you are who, they, who the church is. And so we change the language because the wrong message uh, could change what Jesus is trying to tell us. It's not a building. It's not membership. It's not a denomination. He came for a people. We don't want people to come to church. We want people to be the church. Amen? Amen. Number two, a church is not only a place. It's devotion. So the, uh, it's, it's not a place, it's devotion. These people, it says in the book of Acts, that they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. So think about that. They devoted themselves. Say devotion. Devotion, devotion is something that the Christians teach you that you do at nighttime as you read the Bible. The, the devotion is far more than writing a couple things down in a journal and telling Jesus how cool he is, all right? Devotion is, 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 the actual word means exclusive attention. When you're devoted to a cause, you work to achieve its goal and mission. And when you're devoted to a person, you place their needs above yours. And God is asking for a devotion to himself and to one another. Think about that for a moment. God is not only asking you to be devoted to him. We're like, oh, that's easy. But then he's asking you to be devoted to one another. That's hard. That's hard, right? We're like, oh, man, John's, but John's crazy. No one really likes John. They just like Candace, right? <laughs> you know it's true. Lately, people have been saying, man, John, you're so lucky to have her. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. And, I, and someone needs to tell Candace how lucky she is to have me, right? It never happens. It happened once. It happened once because I told them to say it. All right? 
But devotion is exclusive attention that you give to God and to one another. So they devoted themselves to God, God's teaching. God's teaching wasn't just menial, it wasn't small, it wasn't unimportant. It was very important to their lives. And then devotion to one another, to each other. This is more than friendship. We think that devotion means, oh, we'll, we'll, I will say hi, we'll be Facebook friends. God doesn't want you to just be Facebook friends and give likes to each other, right? Oh, that was awesome. Thumbs up, Jen. Now you can do hearts and sad faces and, and wows, right? I give some wows, right? But it's more than that. It's more than friendship. It's more than attention. It's more than membership. It's covenant relationship. I know the word covenant is not used that much, but like a marriage, it's a covenant. It's not just a promise. It's saying it's me, you, and God. We're together. And in the same way, when God is asking for devotion, he's saying it's us and God. We're in this together. I say we're in this together. I know, I know that sounds like High School Musical, but I'm telling you, it's more than High School Musical. We're all in this together, right? But it's, it, it's in covenant relationship. It's not just hanging out and having the same interests because we like Jesus. No, it's a bond. It's a sacrifice. Are we willing to sacrifice one, for one another? Are you willing to pick someone up when they're, not being, when they're suffering? Oh, no, no, they're messed up. Now I, they're counted out. That's not the church of Jesus Christ. Are we willing to carry one another in hardship, in discomfort, not using each other for our benefit? Sometimes I feel that way. We, we check off church or we feel good. Let's go to church. I want to feel good. I want to learn something good. No, it's, I want to go to church so it's, to see who I can carry too. What if we came into this place with a different mentality, with a different heart, with a different focus? We carry the name of Jesus, the mission and the work of Jesus. And yes, work. How many people like the word work, right? We're like, I'm telling you, work is spiritual. We like to se separate this is spiritual and this is unspiritual, but I'm telling you, work is spiritual. It's an essential part of being family, right? When you go to your family's house, your grandpa's house, your aunt's house, or wherever, you, you, it's, it's funny, you gotta take out the garbage when the garbage is full, right? What if, what if we're like, we were customers in the family, and moms, you already feel this way. <laughs> Like, my kids are customers and they're not even paying, right? I throw out the, you know, who's doing the dishes? Everyone has work to be done. It's not like you go in there and you do nothing. No, you better clean, man. You better, you better wash some dishes. You better throw out the garbage. You better cook. You better, you better come with something in hand because you are not a customer. You are not a consumer. And in the church here today, I want to tell you, we all do our part if it's our giving and our serving and our loving. But do not pay membership dues to church and say, I'm just, that's all I'm a part of. No, then we've missed the whole thing. We've missed the mission that we're giving to today. You know, we're missing the movement of God, what he wants to do in our hearts. And we can't miss it. We can't miss it. We got to do work. We're family members, not customers. Church ain't Costco. It ain't Costco. There's not little finger foods that you pick up. And then if it's really good, you, you turn around, you pick it up again, right? Oh, that's for my cousin's cousin, right? <laughs> Take a couple of samples, right? You, you got to be a part of the work of Jesus. You've got to be part of the, of the mission, the heart of the family. And you can see that in the secret church. They weren't an organizational structure, which I believe is important, but rather they were an organic family. They were family focused on loving God and loving each other. In verse 43, it says, And all came upon every soul. When we move 
in devotion to God and to one another, the Holy Spirit begins to move in a way. Miracles start to happen. Things, that, things start to break loose. And God starts to move in your lives, in my life, when we move in a way where we're so devoted to God and each other that God and all came over every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. God was moving among them. Verse 44 says, And all who believed were together, and they had things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all those who had need. Sacrificial community, right? And day by day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. I love that. They ate together. We really, we really, this church really likes to eat together. Amen. That's right. We like to eat together. And then uh, it says, and receiving their food with gladness and with general, uh, generous hearts and praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we're devoted to God and we're devoted to other, God brings the increase. He brings the increase of people who need more of him. There's a beauty of church. There's a beauty of the people of God. And it's, it's, it's not this fancy thing. It's very normal. I first, I believe we need to break the idea, and I talked about it a little before, about the spiritual and the unspiritual, the sacred and the secular, right? This is, se- yo, that's secular music. Oh, this is sacred music. That's, oh, that's a secular place. Uh, and, we, and that was like, so in, in my day when we grew up, like back in the day, I don't know if you grew up, like I'm like 37 and we used to like burn CDs and stuff, right? Uh, we're like, and then you would feel like you would like listen to all your music, and then you, they would tell you it's secularly like it's the devil. Let's burn it, right? And they would have these burn parties. It was weird. I apologize. You can't burn MP3s, all right? You can't even block them anymore. But we're 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 missing the point. We're we're evaluating the wrong things, and and and, and so if all the world belongs to God, then everything is spiritual. There is no area of life that is not God's, like eating and raising kids and what we do with our time and with our money and how we treat a stranger, how we treat our neighbors, and even our physical health. Everything is spiritual. It's spiritual. And we must break from the idea of spiritual over here. I'm, doing, I'm going on Sunday doing my spiritual thing and then unspiritual. I'm going to work. Everyone hates work. My boss sucks, right? You can't do that. Everything is spiritual. We've got to move in a way where God is alive in both in every area of our lives. It's a part of our devotion. There is no non-God area in our lives. Jesus made sacred spaces everywhere. If you read the Bible, it didn't say, and they all came to church and Jesus healed them. Now, I don't think it happened once. Isn't that crazy? We want things to happen in church, but not once did Jesus ever heal. Not one time he did. I apologize. He did heal in the te- temple, right? And, and, and so we see that Jesus made spaces at the well, at the table, uh, eating together on the streets, and even in the graveyard like we learned last week. It was secret places. And even on the cross, the very thing that executed him was a spiritual act. And we say that's secular and this is spiritual. I'm telling you, everything is spiritual when you're a Christian. There is no religious zones or sacred buildings or when we light a candle, now it's spiritual. No, we're in a cafetorium, folks. This is a cafetorium. This is, a, this is an auditorium cafeteria. It ain't that awesome, right? 
we were sitting in metal chairs, some of you on cushions, Steve, right? And, and that's right, we, we talked about you the other day. But I'm just saying that just because we add candles and some, and some stuff, it doesn't make it a spiritual space. The spiritual space in here are you. And it's just you. It's just you. And sometimes we think that we can run away from God and we're doing a non-spirit. I'm telling you, everything is spiritual. So there's beauty in the people and not a building, not an organization, but it's the heart of the people, the mission of the people, the devotion of the people. And if we lose that value of what church is, trying to be big or trying to do that, we miss the whole point. It's you. God is not calling a building. God is calling people. Not just me, not just leaders, but all of us. It's you, all of us in this room. You are the kingdom of God. You are the family of God. You are the church that seeks to emulate the life, the spirituality, the mission of its founder, which is Jesus. And we have made it so many other things, but it's simple. Be more like Jesus this week more than last week. And if you mess up, be more like Jesus the next week more than this week. And it's stepping every step. And it's encouraging one another, being in each other's lives. We don't come to church. We are the church. The power of God is not in a building. It's in you. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, When two or more are gathered in my name, I am with them. I am there. Guess what? Jesus is here. That's right. Jesus is here. And I want us to not just say it because we memorized it, because some of us, we attended church as kids, right? And we grew up knowing as many verses. If you grew up in Baptist church, you grew up knowing more verses than me by far, right? Just depending what our background was. And, and, and so I'm just saying, man, God is here. Let us be the church of God. Not an organization, it's you. And it's, so if we are the church of God, then we can change this world because God's with us, in us among us. We can share with our family, with our neighborhood, with our workplace. And then that's how we reach our city. One by one by one. It's that simple. Today we're going to practice what we've heard today. We, I, just wanna, I just want you guys to get into groups of like five or six. And uh, today we're going to do something really simple. So if you guys can take, turn your chairs around, we're going to do something different, and we're going to get into groups about five or six people. Please do it with me. And, and pretend to like it, right? <laughs> Introverts are like, I am, le I am going to the bathroom right now. <laughs> Just turn around. Get to know some folks. Hey, Mandy, you want to put that up, the slide?
let's, um, let's take communion together. If you guys can hear my voice, and I know you guys, this is the, if you can hear me, I'm going to just uh, pray over the communion, pray over uh, the bread and the juice. Uh, but uh, it says in the word of God, it says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took the bread and he broke it. And, uh, and I always tell you, I break this in my hand, just signifying in myself that, uh, that his body was broken for me. And, and, and he took the bread and he says, uh, as you take this, break the bread and as you gather together and take it, do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together. On that same night, Jesus took a cup. And if you ever uh, read um, in the end of um, all the, most of the Gospels, there's a, there's a place that Jesus says, that he says, uh, Father, take this cup from me. He's praying in the garden of Gethsemane, and he doesn't want to go to the cross. And he starts to say, take this cup from me. Take this pain from me. Don't let me go through this agony. Uh, but, you know, but not my will. Your will be done. And sometimes in life, we're going to go through hardships and we're going to say, God, take this cup from me. But I pray that in those moments that we can say, but not my will, God, your will be done. So on that day that Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood spilled for you in the new covenant, a new promise that I will cover your lives. And he says, and whenever you take this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. You guys can pass the cup. And Jen will sing one more song and let's just sing together. You don't need to straighten anything out. Well, let's just stand wherever you are. You guys are good. You guys want to pray pray do whatever you guys need to do
Father, we just thank you, Lord God, and we are so just filled, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, let it not stay within these walls or within the walls of our minds of where we place God. I pray we open up our lives, Lord. And like we saw in the video in the words of what Candace said uh, about just taking even one page, Lord God, and putting it deep in our hearts and letting God work through us, Lord God. We thank you, and as we leave today, we love you, and we are so thankful and so grateful that you have come to save us, Lord God, that we are not alone. Let us not live this life alone, but let us uh, just grip on and hold on to one another, Lord God, and together we are better, and with you, we're even better than that. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Get in a group and get to know one another. God bless you guys.